Hi everyone and welcome back to Discerning Consciousness podcast. I'm your host Ant and you join me today for episode number 134 in which I'm going to talk about uh, the amazing film Groundhog Day. So it's going to be a a movie review or a, a movie analysis. If you prefer, I'm going to touch upon some of the main reasons why this great movie remains um, such a timeless um, classic and it's full of, um, as I say in the title of this podcast episode, full of so many enduring and powerful life lessons and I think uh, as the years go by um, it's really developing a cult-like status as a timeless classic in the mould of um, films like uh, The Wizard of Oz or it's a Wonderful Life, or and moving kind of into more recent times, although it's nearly 25 years since the Truman Show was was um, first launched at the movies. So films that really celebrate and champion the human spirit and tell the story of hu- human beings uh, triumphing over <laughs> the many um, adversities um, that we face. Yes, yeah, so... Um, Thank you for tuning in for today's uh, episode of Discerning Consciousness. It's actually quite a timely um, moment to be uh, doing a movie review of Groundhog Day because it's actually 30 years, believe it or not, 30 years um, since it was released at the cinemas or at the movies. And of course, as we know, it stars the brilliant Bill Murray as Phil Connors and equally brilliant Andy McDowell as uh, as Rita the the interplay between those two is actually really quite fantastic and it's directed again by the excellent Harold Ramis and the screenplay was written by Danny Rubin now an interesting fun fact here to uh, throw in the mix with this little bit of a round the houses background the location scenes all the location scenes were actually um, filmed in Woodstock Illinois <clears throat> excuse me, not in Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania. And um, that's apparently, um, according to um, the uh, director, Harold Ramis, that's because in terms of the uh, location shots and and especially the um, for the central square, um, Woodstock in Illinois kind of lends itself to it's a better location for that. And um, in terms of... Uh, a continuity error um, if you do have the movie on DVD I know uh, a lot of people have thrown out their DVDs now but I've, I've kept hold of mine and I've got a very uh, well-worn copy of Groundhog Day it's quite interesting that um, in one of the early scenes when Phil Connors meets uh, Ned Ryerson Ned Ryerson sorry for the first time as the camera backs uh, pans out you can see in the background um, a shot quite clearly called Woodstock Jewelers, uh, not not Punxsutawney Jewelers. So I don't know why that was left in. Um, you'd have to ask the ask the uh, ask the director, but it's quite quite an interesting um, quite an interesting little um, continuity error there. Also, um, I'm pretty sure uh, I haven't looked into this, but I'm pretty sure that. Um, Ned Flanders in the Simpsons, sorry, is is based on um, Ned Ryerson because, as we know, uh, Matt Groening 
um, does like all his um, kind of film references. Anyway, let's just look uh, very quickly at the premise of the movie, which I'm well, um, which I'm pretty much sure that you guys are uh, well familiar with, as most people are, even if they haven't seen the movie, because it has such a uh, a cult-like status and the way the way the the word groundhog and the phrase groundhog day has come to mean you know uh the boring <laughs> kind of boring life on repeat it's funny there aren't many um films that, that have, where the actual title is is a word um that's really quite interesting that everyone in society can recognize anyway back to the point of the premise of the movie um, of course, um, the lead character, Phil Connors, um, is stuck in a form of purgatory in which each day repeats with exactly the same events and happenings. Nothing he does makes any difference. So he's, so he's free to explore the consequences of Im immorality and a life lived totally in service to self. And he only escapes, as we as we know only too well, he only escapes this purgatory when he dies to himself and he's reborn anew. And it really is certainly a movie that, um, as I say in the beginning, champions the human adventure and, and really does speak to our capacity to overcome the toughest of personal challenges in life. And I think, yeah, it's one of the... One of the main reasons why I love um, love this movie so much and uh, I uh, regularly, regularly revisit it. So, first of all, um, just getting into the main part of today's episode in terms of a review of Groundhog Day. Why is it that the movie is so, you know, remains so charming, uh, enchanting even and enduring? I think uh, it's primarily because of the sort of the timeless questions that it raises. Um, so it remains just as relevant a movie um, as it was upon its release 30 years ago. It, it really, it just, it, it never really dates. Um, like I was saying at the beginning, similar to movies um, such as um, The Wizard of Oz and, and, and its, and its uh, Wonderful Life. Um, so some of the things, um, questions it raises are, um, do we have free will or are we merely victims of fate and forces beyond our understanding? And things such as what is the secret to a meaningful and purposeful existence? Kind of questions all of us uh, grapple with for the entirety of our lives, really. And it also addresses questions such as, is there an afterlife? And what is the meaning uh, of syn synchronicity? And of course, there is a deeply sort of religious context uh, behind um, the movie as well. And upon its release, um, certain Buddhist groups and uh, Jewish uh, um, Jewish uh, sects was were were claiming that it's you know it's it's a film that speaks to their particular religions. But I think um, on a very basic primal level, I think why we can. Um, why, why it's such a well-loved film is because we can all relate to Phil Connors and, and his struggles. Um, because quite often um, in life, we can feel like we're stuck in um, kind of a perpetual struggle or the hamster's wheel or not, whether, whether one regards themselves as spiritual or not. And I know there's quite a lot of reviews of Groundhog Day. 
that touch upon its kind of spiritual themes. Uh, and I will look at some of those um, later on in today's episode. But I think it's important to just to look at it in terms of, um, as I said, in, relate, in relationship to the title, life lessons, because um, it's something that we can we can all relate to. And, and also, of course, much the same as Phil Connors, we can often find ourselves in seemingly impossible situations that we can't break free from, just like he did in small town Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania. Um, for example, you know, loveless relationships, unfulfilling careers, parental difficulties or responsibilities we feel trapped by, often feeling and we often feel uh, unloved, unappreciated and, and not are not respected as we go about uh, our day to day life. So all of the kind of things that Phil Connors uh, was struggling with in the movie. So we could say that life in general um, can feel monotonous. Every day feels the same, the same routines, the same errands, etc. Furthermore, we tend to meet um, the same people in the office like Phil Connors. Uh, we have the same com conversations, perhaps at work by the water cooler. <laughs> or, or wherever we happen to congregate with our staff, uh, fellow staff members, I should say. And we experience the same frustrations and negative emotions, the same negative self-talk and cynical attitude to life. I think many of us kind of develop this hardened shell as, as a way of just to protect ourselves in order to survive. And in, and in many ways, sorry, Phil Connor's struggle is humanity's struggle. So, of course, by extension, that's our individual struggle as well for meaning and purpose. And I and I think that's why for me, certainly, and I'm sure I'm not alone in, in thinking this, in why it's such a such a timeless, fantastic movie. And I always like to uh, put it in my DVD player from time to time when I'm kind of feeling a bit overwhelmed by life. Uh, it, it's, it's a great film to revisit. And of course, just moving on, at the same time, um, I think a key focus of the movie is the aspect of time and, and this idea of running down the clock. Because, of course, um, every time he wakes up, it focuses in, focuses in on the old fashioned sort of um, radio uh, clock <coughs> alarm, radio alarm clock, I should say, sorry, with the 0600 hours. And one thinks of the, the the kind of phrase, time waits for no man or woman. And we all have to, um, we all have to live our day to day life, lives, so I should say, like Phil Connors, um, knowing that, <laughs> that uh, one day we, we are going to pass from this mortal coil, we are going to die. And in the end, death and mortality does haunt us in, in every moment. And uh, the question of how, um, the question of how are we going to achieve our dreams before we die and will we be able to create a legacy for those uh, <laughs> for people left after we're gone? Those are the kind of things that, as well as just dealing with life in the raw, we have to deal with the issue of uh, mortality. Of course, um, interestingly, in the movie, Phil Connors, um, he could only really truly embrace um, his, his kind of situation of purgatory when when he had tried everything to sort of satisfy his own personal desires. So even though, you know, bizarrely enough, <clears throat> he had what we don't really uh, have, of course, 
is in in that he uh, it appeared had an attorney an eternity to achieve um, all of his goals in life uh, and achieve the life that he wanted but it only became a reality for Phil Connors when when he when he gave up on all the striving when he gave up on, on all the e egotistical <laughs> strivings and goals and he, he um, yeah he just he just um, literally stopped the striving so to speak and I like this aspect of, of the movie because I feel in modern life I think it's become very common uh, for many of us to simply ignore uh, questions around death and our looming mortality by just uh, remaining, uh, keeping constantly busy and focusing in on the material concerns. Not that there's anything wrong with that, of course, um, but ultimately it didn't it didn't prove the answer didn't prove to be so the answer for Phil Connors uh, as it won't be for for us away from uh, in our own lives away from the silver screen I think yes yeah, a really uh, quite fascinating um, aspect of, of the film and, and one of the uh, issues uh, that the uh, writer um, addresses now just um, taking this conversation a little bit further and let's think in terms of talking of death and mortality, etc. And it brings us to another fascinating theme within the movie. And that's the idea of reincarnation, of course. because uh, And this is one of the many religious aspects that the movie speaks to, I think, in a very clever way. And of course, on a very simple level of analysis, uh, one could think of each day uh, of Phil Connor's life in Ponxatawney uh, could be thought of, of course, as a, as a single um, incarnation <clears throat> in life, because he appears to live uh, endless days or endless lives trapped on the karmic wheel, or in Buddhist terms, the wheel of sam samsara, of course. And even when he commits suicide over and over again, you remember from the film, spoiler alerts, there'll be a few spoiler alerts, I think, in one instance, he throws himself off the motel or hotel he's staying in. He walks out in front of a bus, I believe, at one stage. He tries to electrocute himself at one stage by putting in a toaster uh, in, into the bath. Uh, and so, yeah, on many occasions, he tries to he tries to um, commit suicide. But what happens, of course, much to his much to his utter despair, He's he's presented with another day in Punxsutawney, or, or or another or yet another incarnation on Earth, and of course this may well speak to the idea that there is no escape from the soul's journey. And interestingly enough, within the context of the movie, Phil Connors is only able to escape the karmic wheel or the wheel of samsara, if you prefer, when he fully embodies or embraces. God or create or creational force if you were if you prefer in the form of unconditional love for himself and everyone else in the town and then he chooses interesting really the kind of twist the little twist in the storyline very 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 clever uh, put in by the uh, writer of the screenplay at the end he chooses to remain in Ponsatawney uh, and we could see this is much like an evolved soul perhaps might choose to reincarnate on Earth in order to assist with the planetary evolution at this time. 
So he's he's broken he's broken so he's broken free from the the karmic wheel, and now he can he can choose at this point um, to to reincarnate. I also just um, just at this point in the episode just want to return to the idea, um, like I was saying, how we can all relate to Phil Connors and his traps um, in this sort of purgatory in the hamster's wheel. That nothing that I think we can often say much like Phil Connors, uh, we can all, we can, as an extension to feeling trapped and on the hamsters, in the hamster's wheel of life and nothing that we do seems to have any effect uh, to make, take our life in a positive direction. I think also by extension, we can all be cruel, unkind, cynical, short-tempered, egotistical, self-centered, narcissistic and self-loathing much like um, Phil Connors in the movie. And uh, uh, it's true, we might not like to admit it to ourselves, but um, I'm pretty sure, as I have, we've all demonstrated these traits and characteristics at least some point in our lives. And um, normally this is when we're in a particularly stressful um, life situation. And uh, one of the most important kind of psycho-spiritual, if you like, kind of grand phrase there, aspect of the movie, um, when we see Phil Connors um, sort of uh, demonstrating his, uh, how should we say, not particularly evolved traits and characteristics, one might think of this in terms of this isn't really the real Phil Connors, because these behaviours are simply uh, a self-defence mechanism. Um, and I think um, sort of defence mechanism against what can often feel like a cruel and pointless existence or a cruel and pointless world, if you prefer, in which we feel completely out of control. And as I was just saying a while ago, um, nothing that we does seems to point our life in a positive um, direction. But however, in the movie, when, when Phil Connors finally accepts who he is, including all his faults, that's the moment he finally becomes free. Because one could say, or one could argue, he actually he transcends Sorry, the need to control or manipulate people or external events in the world. Furthermore, he appears to come to the realisation that genuine happiness and contentment can only arise when he, and we of course, live in service of humanity or in service to humanity perhaps I should say by sharing our unique gifts skills and talents that's obviously a, a very um, important twist in, in the plot of when when, uh, when his life in in Ponxatawney uh, changes in a, in a, in a very positive um, way because when we are living our Dharma or purpose in life then by extension things just seem to naturally fall into place when we give up our urgent need for love and personal recognition, then these things just seem to arise naturally with no effort on our part. Of course, we need to remain um, open, open and receptive to such things. So in the movie, um, the Andy McDowell character, Rita, finally falls in love with Phil Connors when he accepts and embraces who he is. Uh, whilst being in service to others and then before that we see a whole series of scenes where 
he 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 basically tries to um let's think of the whole kind of pickup community he tries to game he tries to game rita into bed shall we say and time after time um rita just slaps him in the face i love there's a whole series of scenes where she keeps um slapping uh, phil connor's in the face because of course he is he's not being sincere he's trying to trick or coerce her into having sex with him now rita who's a fascinating character she's obviously a highly evolved being um uh, within the, the context of the movie i i, I might even say she has a, an almost angelic um like um quality and i think um the writer speaks to this at, at one stage when um phil connor's when he's he's had his transformation and um he starts doing the ice sculpting and at one point he he does it like a, a facial uh sculpture uh of a likeness of rita and it, and it really portrays her as as this um as this sort of um angelic like character really it's, it's a very 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 touching moment of the move of it within the movie sorry and furthermore, I think as to this speaks to Rita's high, highly evolved um, quality or nature, is she she never shuns Phil or punishes him. She never plays the classic card which we get in the dating game of the passive aggressive kind of thing, which we, which is an unfortunate development in recent years. So why is she so accepting? Uh, and um, well, I could say um, to sort of broaden this out now. I could say, in a, in a sense, um, she's almost like, from my perspective, a sort of like a post-feminist icon, because in some sense, she she you could see say that she has successfully integrated the masculine aspect of her being, and and I think she's a really evolved or gives the truest expression of what we hear in the modern era, of course, this idea of a strong, independent woman, but. She gives expression to that in a very balanced way, unlike a lot of the sort of modern societal characterization of, of such women, uh, which might be called uh, ball breakers, if you like. And in turn, of course, um, they turn a lot, of, a lot of, of men off because they, they want to be in, in control all the time. And also, I think that... Um, Rita, um, because she knows, because she's obviously, as I was saying, a highly evolved being, uh, almost like an angelic, uh, has angelic qualities. As I was saying, she, 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 she doesn't come from judgment. She knows who Phil Connors is, beyond all his cruel and outrageous behaviours and um, personal characteristics, as we were talking about a wee while ago. So she is, she is patient and. Um, Interestingly enough, I think this speaks to, um, there are parallels to this type of understanding within a therapeutic setting or in terms of more evolved, um, shall we say, parent parenting skills. I'm aware of this having done quite a lot of support uh, work with uh, vulnerable adults uh, on the autistic spectrum, so I'm quite aware of this process. In the um, support staff, um, as I say, when working with vulnerable adults or children who demonstrate challenging behaviours, um, are actively encouraged to recognise that the person in their care 
is not defined by their behaviours. It is an aspect, certainly, of who they are, but it, but it in no way defines who and what they are. And I think this also, this in part stems from the understanding that all human beings, irrespective of our, of our personal histories or current life situations, have the capacity to thrive when we're placed in environments that meet um, our individual needs. So, yeah, obviously within the movie, that was um, that was kind of like an awareness that, that Rita, she had that she had that awareness of of Phil Connors, that he he wasn't these rather strange and um, one might say uh, as an overall term, narcissistic behaviours. So just moving on now. Um, so another dimension of the movie often neglected, um, I think it, that it demonstrates really quite neatly, uh, to, to be honest, quite neatly and quite succinctly, I should say, is that I think it charts the maturation process as we travel through life um, from sort of late childhood, uh, teenage, adolescent years to our senior years. And I might, I might say... I don't necessarily mean um, someone who's an evolved spiritual being. I just mean someone who's gone through the normal stages of, of development um, that, that we go through uh, in life. So what I mean by this is if one thinks of during our teenage years um, into young adulthood, the adult, is, sorry, the ego is front and centre as we strive out into the world to create our material existence. So one thinks of careers, relationships, marriage, and this is all very much an outward expression in which we try to gain material uh, abundance and life, and life generally is focused externally for, for good reason as we attempt to master uh, material abundance, which actually, ironically enough, and um, I often forget this, is a very important uh, part of spiritual development, as, a, as well as being a key stage of a healthy um, adult's development as well. So this stage of uh, the early stage of adulthood is also typically associated or characterised, I should say, by um, quite commonly making foolish decisions in life, but ultimately learning from them, but also by breaking free from parental controls and expectations. Now, in the movie, Phil Connors, from the outset, he one of the things you say is he's quite childish, isn't he? He embodies the petulance and arrogance of, of youth. And he's concerned um, early on in the the movie, as they're driving um, to Punxsutawney, he he talks about how he's concerned with his career progression and he talks about this to the uh, to Rita and, he, and his desire to to escape from what he considers as the confines of a provincial news channel. And at one stage, um, he when he um, he actually um, took kind of uh, early childhood, he actually relives his youth. Uh, you probably remember the scene when he meets the two guys in the bar. And they talk about, um, he talks about uh, the glass being half full or half empty, that kind of very iconic scene. And then when they um, travel in the car after having been in the bar, he actually says, he actually <laughs> kind of makes reference to this idea of being a child again and trying to break free from all the parental controls. He says, I can do anything now. I can do anything I like. And he makes reference to parental controls. It's, all it is is 
clean up your room, don't be late home. And he's kind of speaking to you know, kind of the arrogance and, and, and petulance of youth uh, and this kind of desire to, to, to break free from the, these controls. And yeah, as I was just saying at the beginning of this segment, I think it's, this is where this, the, the, the uh, film speaks to this our sort of um, development um, through life, the maturation process. And uh, he even um, drives along the rail tracks uh, at one stage, uh, as if to, as if to symbolise his mi misconception um, about uh, about life and being off track, if you want to put it in those terms. So, um, once further, once we move on in life, so once an individual learns from the foolishness of their actions, and uh, we could say that the ego recedes slightly. So, in the movie, Phil Connors finally realises that simply living out his life in pursuit of earthly pleasures only leads to a life of pain and suffering and, and purgatory, as I've been saying from the start. And he can only transcend the desire for uh, earthly pleasures once he's, in a sense, same for all of us, I've certainly experienced this uh, myself, he can only tr transcend the desire for earthly pleasures once he has lived, lived the dysfunctional behaviour to the point of excess. And um, I think this is true for all of us. It's like um, we get to the point where we just can't do it anymore because it's so blatantly obvious that this particular life choice that we're making, just um, it just isn't working for us um, anymore. And I believe that Phil Connors in the movie, he does, he does um, finally reach that stage. So as we grow older and wiser in middle age, hopefully, <laughs> we, we, we make, uh, it is hoped, more mature decisions as, like I was just saying, as the ego recedes, uh, as do our personal desires. They take less of a priority and we, are we become more uh, externally focused as we look to be of service to the world and we are more likely we are more likely uh, to take on uh, responses, responsibilities in life or leadership roles within our local community. And again, we saw this reflected. Um, we saw this reflected in the movie when Phil Connors, um, towards the end, becomes focused on helping the local community. There's the stage where he, the scene, sorry, where he helps the two old ladies in the car. He fixes their he fixes their uh, their flat tire. And then you see him being of service to the community by doing these amazing ice sculptures, sculptures, sorry. And then, of course, we see him uh, performing on stage, playing, playing the, the piano or playing the keyboard, I should say. So, again, that kind of um, speaks to this idea of reaching maturation towards, you know, towards more towards the end of, of one's life when hopefully we have kind of like Phil Collins realized what the point of our what the point of uh, existence is and we've reached a stage where we where we get meaning uh, to to our existence uh, by giving full expression to our gifts skills and talents uh, by being in service to other people so coming towards uh, the last section of this particular um, episode I'm just going to look at some of the main messages or the takeaway, if you like, to use a modern phrase, the main takeaways um, from the movie, which you can um, which you can think about once you've listened um, to this particular audio. 
So for me, the what what it speaks to is uh, that the secret to a meaningful and contented life is actually really very simple. It's the idea of uh, to be loving and to to be in service of humanity. But what often, but we often forget um, this kind of simple rule, if you like, because of the demands that modern life imposes upon all of us. And the second aspect to this is like Phil Connors in the movie, um, along the way, um, we forget we, who we are um, beyond all the conditioning and programming that we see throughout life. And then we um, it's all too easy for us to fall under the spell of mainstream society or normie world, as I call it. And then all the norms and expectations that we are expected to meet. But we all have the potential to break free, like Phil Connors, to break the mould, if you prefer, by giving the truest expression to, to our, our divine self, if you will. I think this also speaks to uh, Joseph Campbell, of course, and the hero's journey in which, in which we um, become the hero of our own marvellous adventure in life, the hero's journey, the classic archetypal journey, which we're all experiencing right now. Bit scary, <laughs> whether um, whether whether we like to whether we like to think about it or not, and eventually I think we do come naturally to the realization that what we perceive to be external battles in the world, like Phil Connors did in Groundhog Day, are actually they're all uh, have their their seat or their their genesis, if you like, are all actually uh, internal. So returning to the movie, Phil Connors does everything in his power to escape Punk's attorney. He sees barriers in terms of the weather. There's that scene where he's um, he's trying, they're trying to escape in their van uh, and the police, uh, the traffic cop tells him that there's a, there's a weather front coming in and there's, there's absolutely no way they're going to, no way they're going to be able to leave uh, Punk's attorney. And I think then it's actually the next scene where he's trying to, communicate very obviously pre-internet he's trying to um trying to separate the communication channel but he's having difficulty and there's problems with the with with the phone line a broken phone line etc but we can see in those that in those moments i think in reality what's happening is he's simply trying to escape himself as we all do in life which, which, as we know uh, ourselves, um, as as Phil Connors couldn't do in the movie, it's it's not possible. It's not it's not possible to to escape ourselves. And then the end of the movie uh, references again uh, this point when when Phil Connors um, says to Rita that they're going to stay in Punxsutawney after all after all his um, after all his uh, attempts to 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 leave because he. You know, from the very beginning, uh, he he sees himself as a sort of a, a big city guy, and he and he hates this kind of parochialism uh, of of small towns uh, like Punxsutawney. Uh, and but in so doing, by him admitting that he's he's going to stay with his new love, uh, Rita, he, what he demonstrates is is the beautiful and divine. Um, completion of, of the hero's journey. It is complete. He's completed the journey. He, he's, he's, he's transcended the self. That is a beautiful touch. Um, whether, the, whether the screenwriter, whether the writer put it in there for that reason, who, who knows. But um, 
what also i think it's a, another nice touch from 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 the writer from the script writer when phil connors says um well 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 uh rent at first rather than buy a property and i think it's like kind of like a delightful little subtle nod to his to his former self where where he doesn't go the full way and they don't actually they don't plan to to buy a property in punxsutawney they're just going to rent and it's kind of like a a nod to to his kind of previous self which i think is um is rather delightful so i'm just gonna um finish with some closing thoughts here um just by saying um when when life seems to be falling apart and and nothing works anymore um it's societally uh, within society i should say um it's common to discount the kind of psycho-spiritual dimension. So in the movie, Phil Connors um, seeks medical help. So he speaks to a psychologist uh, and um, he speaks to a doctor who examine, examines his skull. I think you probably remember that particular scene. But what he's actually experiencing is, is a spiritual emergency or um, an identity crisis or what one might call the soul uh, when the soul is the soul's call um, to, 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 to finally uh, to finally be recognized, if you like. And I think that's a common theme that we find within society, which is picked up within uh, the movie Groundhog Day, is that when when our life is falling, falling apart, um, when everything's going to shit, for want of a better phrase, we do often forget to look internal to look sorry to look within to look internally to look at to look at um to look at the sort of the spiritual dimension it's often it is often uh forgotten and again it's speaking to this idea that we we look we look to things um we look to things that outside of ourselves i just want to leave uh you guys just with this these few final points that in order to find our true divinity or our, our true self, we, we really have to give up all our preconceptions and beliefs about who and what we are. Uh, but this is typically a highly destructive process, as Phil Connors um, experiences in the movie. That's what, again what I like about it, because speaking in terms of the kind of the spiritual dimension, it's utter chaos. And that's why I have no truck, really, with a lot of this sort of spiritual uh, bypassing, uh, uh, really. <laughs> and as we saw in the movie, Phil Connors, he, he event eventually he, he finds true freedom, uh, I believe, uh, as we all have the potential to do. Uh, and then life does become an amazing journey of, 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 of discovery. And we can really take delight in the smallest things. But... I believe it's quite a uh, torturous journey um, to, to, to get to that stage, as Phil Connors experienced in the movie. And um, we do have to embrace the idea that our, our life is going to is going to fall apart and and everything that we we that we've we formerly clung to and, and everything that we thought we needed in our life for it to, to, for it to be uh, harmonious has to perhaps um, has to perhaps leave uh, and, uh, and and depart. So I just wanted to leave you, you guys, with that with that last point. 
because I think um, it's really it's really uh, uh, an important an important aspect um, of the film. But also, of course, it leaves the viewer um, with a lot of hope that in spite of things all falling apart, there there is um, there is, there can be a wondrous life when when, when you get uh, when you get uh, to the other stage, if you like. As I was just saying, when you complete the hero's journey. So once again, um, thank you all for tuning in uh, for today's uh, particular movie review. It's great to get back to doing movie reviews. Really enjoy doing that. And uh, I hope you've enjoyed listening to today's show. And as always, I hope you've been able to take something from it. That's uh, one of the reasons why I do these particular uh particular recordings and just a little bit of a heads up uh, in a couple of weeks next time I will be talking about an aspect of the teachings of the Mayan prophecy as they relate to events currently unfolding in the world uh, primarily why the world seems to be going crazy and a lot of people going crazy along with it as well <laughs> um, so it's a kind of really interesting psychological aspect and um, the how the bro the brain processes information so i'll be picking up uh, uh i will be picking up picking up sorry that particular aspect of the main prophet prophecy so thank you all again and i look forward to speaking to you all again in due course bye for now Thank you.